I think that's a huge piece is that we think someone else has our answer. And that's the whole part about empowerment. You, we know everything we need to know. We've been just completely dumbed down for many, many reasons, but we know exactly what we want and need. And I think that's the problem we find ourselves in when we get really depressed. It's like we, our inner self, and we've been so far moved from our inner self for so many reasons, and it's just, it's busting. It wants to bust out. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Okay, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Ricky Baruch and Deb Habib. They are the founders of Seeds of Solidarity. Through the transformation of abandoned land into a bountiful farm, working with neighbors to initiate a flourishing garlic and arts festival, and establishing innovative education programs, Seeds of Solidarity is helping to revitalize the North Quabbin region in Massachusetts. Ricky and Deb are also the authors of the great book, Making Love While Farming, a savory story of a couple who challenged convention to shape a self-created life and a lasting love. Welcome to the show, Deb and Ricky. All right. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Oh, it's, it's great. And this is the first interview episode we have with two guests. So this is, this is very exciting. Um, so, so guys, tell me a little bit about what is a self-created life? A life from the heart, um, led by your heart, uh, where the culture, it's all about the head, and that's kind of how we end up where we are now. But if you lead by your heart, we all have a heart, heart and soul, and if you follow that, that is your ultimate purpose. Yeah, and I think I, that, that's great to hear, Rick, and I, I think I'd add to that, um, you know, I, I don't know that either of us really had a choice in a way, um, just in terms of who we are in this world. And, you know, uh, we're both, I think, pretty independent people. We're creative people. We like to um, kind of do things our own our own way. There's a little bit of, of stubbornness, but also a lot of vision. So, you know, I don't think either of us um, really fit into a box of any particular career. And so fortunately, we found each other. So that we could kind of co-create um, together. It's not always easy, but it's beautiful. It's amazing, and um, yeah, this farm, seeds of solidarity, up here in Orange, Massachusetts, is absolutely beautiful. So, you know, when it gets a little bit warmer, people have got to come up here and and check it out. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of this whole pandemic, we saw how fragile our food supply was. And, um, you know, I've told the story before that, you know, I went to the supermarket at sort of at the beginning of the pandemic to get some eggs and there were absolutely no eggs. And I asked one of the grocers, I said, you know, when are you getting them in? And she said, in a month. (laughs) And, you know, as it turned out, it, they actually had them a couple days later, but I mean, that really just rang a bell. Like, our food supply, our food system is really in big trouble. And the motto of your 
farm and your, your, your seeds of solidarity is the incredibly empowering message of grow food everywhere. And I'd love to just get your thoughts on, you know, what you mean by that. You know, it's interesting thinking about um, the pandemic and at this time in relation to food, but also in relation to a lot of other things too, you know, a history of racism and genocide and colonialism in, in this country. And, you know, this has been going on for a long time and our disconnect to the food supply and over-reliance on um, food to which we're not connected any longer has been going on for a long time. But I think, you know, when these things happen and it isn't just like a power outage for four days, but it goes on and on and on, um, we are uh, greatly reminded of how, how disconnected um, we have become, speaking about food. And so again, I think the things that we do, growing food, growing good, wholesome food um, on small parcels of, parcels of land um, for our community is, is, is a very old way of doing things. It's not a new way of doing things, but it you know, becomes more critical to see how important it is to grow food in and for your community and feed our communities in times like this. I would say to add to that, um, we need, as human beings and all creatures, we need food as like the number one thing, food, water, shelter, clothing. I mean, so it's a medium we all have to deal with, and it's a medium for to help us wake up to our connection to the universe. And so I think what we have to be careful of is this, if we just see it as grow food everywhere, it's all about just growing food and so you can eat food, and, and you still haven't changed. That's not the point. At my mind, it's, it's in, a way in because we have to eat, so you grow food, and by growing food, it's one of, the, one of the greatest ways to realize, holy smokes, looking at a seed, mind-blowing, right? So, because I think what happens is, and I think we're seeing more and more of it, is we go after the issue, climate change, racial injustice, critical pieces, but we have to get to the root of all of it. Without getting to the root of all of it, it will be the next issue we find that we need to be talking about. Yeah, and I think it's also, um, you know, really important to clarify when we say grow food, grow food everywhere, we're not saying like Monsanto grow food everywhere or Kraft grow food everywhere or General Mills grow food everywhere. No, it's, it's about sovereignty and self-determination. So it's about people growing food for themselves, for each other in all of our urban, suburban, and rural communities. And, you know, a lot of the methods we use here are very, even though we're in a small urban slash rural area, a lot of the methods that we use here are very transferable to a lot of settings because it's about really using the resources you have in a community, using your hands, and you know, growing abundant food. And again, that's not our original idea. It's been going on for thousands of years by indigenous and peasant farmers and fisher people all over the world. Absolutely. So you guys talk a lot about in your book about having this sacred relationship with the soil and how worms and microbes and fungi, they're your best allies. I'd love you to speak about what, it, what does it mean to have a sacred relationship with the soil? I may not have started out that way. And this is maybe a good example. We, always, we work with youth. We always tell people, work with the idiosyncrasies. That's what makes you unique and different. Even though society says, oh, those are the bad parts, you know, that makes you interesting. So I had no interest. I had a big farm in upstate New York. I have no interest in working on machinery. That's just not my thing. And so I had to figure out, and we purchased this piece of land 
It wasn't agricultural land by any stretch of the imagination. We had to be creative. And so with my idiosyncrasies, I don't like equipment. I had to be creative. So these creative ways led me to kind of the sacred relationship. So I think that's interesting. I think the universe will work with you. If you, if you follow your heart, the universe will lead you to a sacred relationship to whatever you do. The issue is, is we don't follow our heart. We follow our head. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we, especially Ricky, as his primary livelihood has been farming for, you know, um, almost 35 years now. And we see a lot of young folks. In fact, we just got a letter from a former um, farm apprentice the other day who said, well, I farmed for eight years, but I was burnt out and da, 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 da. And that's like the average, that's the average amount of time that young people coming into farming are lasting eight years. And it's understandable because they're under this paradigm that is so stressful. And so I, I say that to say, you know, whether it's your own, you know, uh, how you develop, whether for us, it's, it's how we develop a more kind of balance and sacred relationship with the practice of farming and with the soil and the land. Other people might find other ways to do that, but Everybody, if, if people are going to sustain themselves in farming and a lot of other professions, you're going to have to figure out um, how to build some sort of more balanced relationship with whatever you do. So, you know, Ricky spoke to the, the that part of it, but I think it's also, it's also about how are farmers going to be able to sustain um, this livelihood. Well, it, it's interesting that you, you guys bring that up because, you know, one of the things that I really love about your book, Making Love While Farming, is that you offer the, you know, you offer the farming practices, um, but you also have the contemplative healing practices, which is I hear a lot of what Ricky talking about with getting back to the heart. Um, and I, I, I know you, you, you say that how, how people are getting burned out. So, I mean, is, is it something where you, you guys believe that, you know, all farmers, all people should have some of these healing tools besides just the farming tools, but also having some of these healing practices and healing tools? Our society is just lopsided, you know, led by our head. And we're just, you know, it's, it's just such a huge conversation. But of course, all our peoples, all our peoples had a, balanced way of life. And that's really where I see everything going in the future is, you know, it's about creating a way of life that's full, that's balanced with spiritual and physical. And that's what's really important, you know. But we just constantly see it as a way to make money and then we end up being burnt out. But really the future is about a balanced way of life, creating a life way. You know, we become consumers. That's basically what this this whole game, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, has brought us to is consumers. We used to be producers. If that, and, and we used to be hunter-gatherers. We were lots of different things along the way. But now we're just consumers, and that's not a good place to be. But it's more than just being a producer or a consumer. It's about having a balanced way of life, and that's what we were designed for, and that's how we lived for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This is a short window of you know, becoming consumers, and look where it's leading us. Yeah, you know, it's it's tricky because I don't want to, I, I don't think I'd want to prescribe to anyone else like what they have to do to be balanced. You know, I know for me, um, I'm more of a move, my, my contemplative practice is more movement related, you know, so like I walk, I dance, I stretch, I do yoga, things like that. 
And that's, that's been really critical just to stay centered and strong and resilient through, you know, hard times in, in life, um, as well as just day to day. So I don't know really how I would have, you know, made it without some of those practices personally through some of the harder times in life. Um, but I think it's different for everyone. And I think, you know, for some people it might be, it might be the practice of kindness, you know, just being kind to everyone they meet to others. It's being of service, you know, to others, it's making art. So I think, I think whatever it is that kind of as, as Ricky was saying, that connects your, 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 your head and your heart, um, and, and helps you move through the world as a more, um, loving person and loving to yourself and loving to others. You know, we've, we've all met people who meditate an hour, like three times a week to their tape. And then they go out and like they're shitty to the, you know, grocery store worker or whatever. So it's like, well, that's not really what it's about. You know, it's about trying to weave whatever that practice is into your day-to-day life, however you do it. Beautiful. I love that. Um, in the, uh, in the cooler blog, so you guys have a blog that's on your fridge in the farm stand. I think I've seen that before. Um, and uh, you you wrote, um, if we asked people, would a garlic and arts festival work in orange? Years ago, most fo- folks would have said no. If we asked, could we sell lots of produce out of a self-serve stand way out here, what would people have said? The message is to follow your hearts and dreams. So going back to that heart, that idea of the heart and, and our dreams. For anybody listening who is not following their hearts and their dreams, what might you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, only listen to what some of your parents said. <laughs> no. Um, good, Rick. That was your... Yeah, your oh, my goodness. Um, well, you know, I mean, it's hard, and I don't want to be superficial about it in any way because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain level of privilege to be able to even ask yourself that, that question, you know? And so, um, I know that there's a lot of people who on a day-to-day basis are just, just trying to stay like alive for whatever reason, you know, it is and, and stay whole and stay sheltered and, um, move through, you know, the challenges of this society. Um, I think this is a hard question to answer. What would we you tell people again? I hate to I hate to prescribe things for other people, but I think you know I think there's a there there's a certain amount of, of risk taking involved um, in in kind of leaping into things that feel uncertain or uncomfortable, um, and I also think that it's really hard to do it alone. You know, so I think it's there are some people who are completely self sufficient. I'm not one of those people, you know, for me, I need friends, I need community, I need others to share my dreams with. So it might be, you know, I'm fortunate to have a soulmate that I do that with, but I, I think that I also need friends and community and others to kind of share with. So I think if you don't have community and you want to express some dreams in this lifetime, it's important to figure out how to find those people, whatever, whatever it is, if it's farming or making music or doing social justice work or whatever it is, you know, you have to find your people or some people to share that dream with. And that cooler blog, did you write that? Was that your word? Were those your words, Ricky? 
That's me, very high tech. <laughs> <laughs> that came, by the way, because um, Ricky chooses, he doesn't use a computer or a cell phone. And so he would, you know, very heartfelt, he writes a lot of letters and very heartfelt, spontaneous messages in the farm stand, literally like on the cooler, on the refrigerator. So that when people come to the farm stand, they read whatever's like on his mind that, that week. And um, so we named it the Cooler Blog. I love it. Well, because it reminded me of, of um, one of my heroes, Joseph Campbell, and um, the whole idea of follow your bliss as one of the pathways to getting into the heart is just to follow whatever you think your purpose is, is to, you know, because there's fear and then there's like the faith that you have the fear and the faith or the fear in the heart. Um, and in some ways there's, they seem at odds, but it just seems like what you, you guys have done with your self-created life is, you know, you, you went for it and you followed your, your hearts. And I think that's, I mean, I find that to be really powerful. You know, you have to be a spiritual warrior in terms of, you know, there's this great quote by Grace Lee Boggs on her 94th birthday. I won't read the whole thing, but it's worth looking into. But it starts out with, we exist in a failed paradigm. I'll just read a little bit. But basically, it goes on. Uh, it has failed us. It has failed human development. It has failed social development. It has failed everything that is needed to sustain human life. And why I think it's such an important part, and the quote continues, is that we beat ourselves up, you know. Why can't I be happy and all these things? Everything, everything, the whole paradigm is set up against life. So there's a reason why most of us are depressed, why antidepressants are so huge. And, you know, everyone's trying to do mindfulness and on and on and on. It's very difficult to sustain life in a non-life-sustaining environment. And so in order to be a, to survive you have to be a warrior in the best sense, a spiritual warrior, to resist all those temptations that are constantly being thrown at you to, to destroy life. And I'm not just talking about killing. I'm talking about from the food we eat that kills our body and on and on and on. So I think what's tricky is that every time I listen to a, you know, various podcasts, everyone's offering another suggestion of, oh, man, one more thing to do. It's like, so we beat ourselves up. I'm not doing enough and on and on and on. I mean, it's enough just to be human, just to live your life. That should be enough. But the whole paradigm is you're out there busting your butt for, for the man, you know. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, this, that's what we're living in right now. This whole paradigm shift is busting this whole thing apart. So this doesn't work. So you've already talked a little bit about some of the healing practices that help to keep you grounded. Um, is there anything else that you guys do on a regular basis to keep you maybe feeling a bit more centered and, and uh, sane? I try and be a good loving partner. You know, I, I try and be a good parent. Um, I try and be a good daughter and sister and friend. Um, so I, I think those are all practices. I mean, those take a lot of time, you know, and I love putting time and energy into those things, just being, being present and being um, available to, to like, to my people. So that to me is pretty, pretty basic. Um, you know, I also, I'm, I'm working on <laughs> my, I have a, a bit of a monkey brain, so I'm, I'm, no offense to monkeys, they're smarter than I am, but you know, I, I, uh, 
sometimes can wake up and like want to start thinking or, or going or doing or and all those kinds of things. And so I'm, you know, try and just give a little pause to the morning and have a little tea and just kind of, you know, even though it's, it's a lot running a farm and running a nonprofit organization and being active in the community, putting on a major festival, like no doubt there's a lot to all those things. But, you know, I think just trying to, to at least start my day with a little bit more consciousness about how I'm going to do my best to create it. Um, and, um, yeah. Oh, I cook. I like to cook. I like to cook the food that we grow and I try and put, you know, a lot of loving energy into preparing the food. And I love preparing food for a lot of people and I look forward to doing that again. Beautiful. Anything Ricky that, or, I mean, would you say that just, just working on the farm, using your hands, getting in the dirt, I mean, is that, is that pretty grounding for you? Yeah. I mean, there's other things I think to balance it out, you know, like working out, meditating, but yeah, I think it, I have a good quick story. You know, I saw in the paper yesterday, uh, there's this trail group that builds trails in this area in the North Quabbin, and they're really hooking up with veterans, which I think is great, you know, after all I've been through. But I just think it's so classic in this culture. It's like after someone's finally have reached the bitter end, being a, a vet and, and, you know, sort of the worst of the worst, it's like, no, we're going to tell you what you need to do. We're going to get you out into the natural world. It's like, geez, why don't, you know, we are so not prevention oriented. It's like we wait to the bitter end, opiate epidemic, throw money at that. You know, what about if we actually got young people at the earliest age and had that instilled in our programs? I mean, you know, and then you think of schools, get rid of music, get rid of this. It's like, it's always a Band-Aid, but you know, let's get to the heart of the matter. And it's clearly, clearly, we are born, we are the earth, stardust, whatever you want to say. We need to be connected. And this definitely this paradigm shift, whatever you want to call it, is going to bring us there. You know, people say we're going to be thrown back into the caveman days, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, this thing's coming, coming to an end. It's not going to be pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but it's all about reconnecting with the earth. Earth is going to be okay. You know, you know a lot of the indigenous elders say, <laughs> they kind of laugh at the white people. They're all freaked out. Yeah, not, well, not to be, we should be freaked out, but like earth is going to be all right. You know, we got to be talking about ourselves, you know? Totally. You know, for anybody listening right now, guys, who maybe is feeling a little powerless and hopeless, they're, they're listening to the, this show right now and they're, and they're feeling that, that way about their life and their future, you know, and they were sitting here with us, you know, what would be one thing maybe? And I know maybe there's a lot of things, but one thing that they could maybe start doing today to help to take them in a new direction. You know, I think the thing, the thing also that paralyzes uh, people from moving forward is they think they may think that they have to completely dedicate themselves to a new direction or feel like it's got to make significant change quickly or something, something like that. Um, you know, where it's got to, you know, be, change some social or environmental issue radically or, or they have to start feeling like better right away. And I, I think I'd say just like, just like pick one thing that, um, that touches you for whatever reason, you know, be it a part of your own cultural heritage that you're bringing back forward, be it, um, something, um, that someone who you admire, you know, does, and it can be so small, like whether it's, if it's writing, you might write three words a day, you know, if it's, 
being out in nature and, and breathing a little more, you might do that for five minutes. If it's trying to figure out how to not be as isolated and reach out to other people, like reach out to one person, you know, and they don't have to be your best friend. You just have to reach out. So, or become your best friend. So I think, I think it's like, just pick one thing. Don't get overwhelmed by the plethora of all the things that are out there. Don't think you have to become perfect at it. Don't think, you know, you have to completely dedicate yourself to it for the rest of your life, but just try to pick one thing that you think would bring a bit more nurturance to your own life and, and just take small steps with it. Beautiful. Ricky, how about you? What, what may you say? Whew. I'm always aware of not giving some, you know, quick answer um, to such an intense question. Because I think we need a feel. We need a, and, and I think the problem with so many of the pills people are taking, antidepressants, is that the issue is that we need to feel. And I think the, down, the downside, not the dog and the antidepressants, is it's not allowing us to feel because we need to be feeling. There's a lot to feel. So we shouldn't cir- short circuit or um, that whole process. So, so feelings is critical. And also to think about some of the greatest people on the planet got to the bitter end. You know, Buckminster Fuller is one of our heroes was about to commit suicide. So sometimes, or even addicts, they got to go so down to the bottom. Not to say that's, you know, that's for some people that's how it's got to work. So they may have an epiphany. But I think it's, we can't avoid feeling. You have to feel. So it's okay to feel and work your way through it. But there's a reason we feel and we could be not living right. You know, so it's a tough one. But to, I'm cautious of saying anything that's just going to, you know, any sort of Pollyanna when someone's feeling way down, you know, so it's tricky. If people are completely debilitated by the extent of their feelings, you know, then, you know, I wouldn't want, I don't want to judge people's choices to need, need to find some way, um, you know, naturally, pharmaceutically, spiritually, like whatever, to move yourself from that place. But I think also recognizing that no place has to be a permanent condition. Mm. You know, no no tool or aid or whatever has to be a permanent condition. You know, we keep changing through our life. So, you know, what I needed when I was 20 is really different than what I needed when I was 30 or 40 or what I'm going to need when I'm 60. You know, I think that there's there's different life phases and we find the things that work at different times and um and there's no right answer. You know, and that's that's scary for people too, because because as as we've said, people are looking for the one thing, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing, and um, and there isn't, and it's going to keep shifting and changing. I think that's a huge piece is that we think someone else has our answer. And that's the whole part about empowerment. You, we know everything we need to know. We've been just completely dumbed down for many many reasons, but we know exactly what we want and need. And I think that's. The problem we find ourselves in when we get really depressed is like we, our inner self, and we've been so far moved from our inner self for so many reasons, and it's just, it's busting. It wants to bust out. And so I think that's what's happening now, but it's really tricky, you know, because you put on so many, so many layers to cover up your heart for many reasons, abuse of the child, on and on and on. So to get to your heart is no easy way, but that's really essence. We got to get to our heart. Mm-hmm. All right, that was a that was a that was a lot of wonderful wisdom right there. Um, 
So my last question here is if you had the opportunity to travel back in time, we're going to put <laughs> Ricky throwing these heavy questions out here, but you know, Hey, it's important. You know, if you had the opportunity to travel back in time, say 40 years or so, what words of wisdom, if you were talking to your younger self sitting here with us right now, what would you tell them? What words of wisdom might you share with them? Ooh, get a little emotional. I would say I would need to hear from my father who just passed a year ago, a couple days ago. You know, for my father to say, I love you. And, um, and that you are a perfect being just as you are. And then that, I think we all need to hear that, you know, that we are perfect just as we are. You know, I think I think a lot of younger people think they have to figure it out early on, right? They have to figure out like what their path is going to be, what their career is going to be. And I know for my own life, you know, one door really open to the next, right? So, and I, I couldn't have foreseen necessarily where I was going to be now. And, and things also keep changing, you know, even though in some ways I'm, I'm, you know, much further along in my, in my career and my work and my path, um, things still keep changing. So I think it's like letting, letting one, keeping your eyes wide open, keeping your heart open and letting one door open to the next, because the times keep changing. The times are going to inform who we are and who we need to be. The people we meet are going to inform who we are and who we need to be. Um, yeah, but just just kind of keep your eyes and ears wide open for many reasons, um, both to keep yourself kind of safe and whole, but also to just see what what possibilities and what people um, enter your life. Beautiful. So, what is the best way for folks who want to learn more about you, your farm, your books? Where should they go to find all that? We have a website, which is seedsofsolidarity.org. And that covers a bit about the work of the educational programs of our nonprofit and also the farm. And there's also a lot of resources on that website. We have a YouTube channel called The Cardboard Method. So if people want to, we didn't talk that much about it, but if people want to learn, the book is called Making Love While Farming, Field Guide to a Life of Passion and Purpose. And we worked with a fantastic press called Levelers Press. And that's a worker-owned um, cooperative press in Amherst, Massachusetts. So they can get our book directly from Levelers or ask their library to order it, which is also equally great. There's an Instagram by that name, uh, Making Love While Farming. And I think that pretty much covers a lot of the outreach stuff. Perfect. Well, it was a, it was a pleasure recording this with you at your beautiful farm here. And I hope everyone will come here and check it out, Seeds of Solidarity in Orange, Massachusetts. Deb and Ricky, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.